Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, Jean-Luc. Jean-Luc. I'm Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Welcome to The Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Adam, I spent some time this weekend doing uh, some clearing out of my office, getting rid of some old stuff. You know, new computers have arrived, and I uh, I was partly kind of like disassembling my desk and... Uh huh untangling all the crap on the desk and yeah i love that work do you like that i love making the tangle straightened out i do really enjoy it but i also feel like it's never the priority like yep it's got to happen on me time or i feel bad doing it this is the dirty garage concept that a good buddy of mine articulated not long ago where he was Uh like Every time I come home from work and I'm greeted by a garage that I haven't sorted and and cleaned up or whatever, it is like another existential penny (laughs) being put on the scale. Like that's just a little more weight every day that I'm carrying of just having that run in the background. You saw my garage recently full of cardboard boxes that were waiting to be broken yeah. down and crammed into the... I have had so many items shipped to my house in anticipation of this child that uh, I have like a, a cardboard queue. I, I fill up the recycling bin to its capacity, and then there's just a big pile of other cardboard that is not, like waiting to get put in. You need a baler is what you need. You ever work with a cardboard baler? Yes, but I don't. I listen, man. I'm not going to be dealing with grocery store levels of cardboard <laughs> forever. It's just this. It's a specific period. <laughs> Baylor's always scared me. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like they're safe. Oh, it's a. It's going to mangle you for sure. And uh, Upton Sinclair is going to write a novel about it. I couldn't believe when I was being trained on the Baylor. They were like, <laughs> "All right, so thread this tiny piece of wire." around this massive pile of cardboard three times. And uh, it's just up to you to figure out how you want to knot that on the front (laughs) side. And uh, here's the button. Have fun. The red button, stop. If you run into anything that scares you, hit the red button. And that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, anyways, while I was putting my office back together, I discovered something that I'd had in mind for a Marin for a long time and totally forgotten about. Back, I think it was in 2020 or maybe 2021, there was something called Star Trek Day. And the Star Trek Industrial Complex sent us each a gift box with Star Trek Day stuff in it. Mm-hmm. And one of the things in the box... Oh, what's in the box? ...was a deck of trivia cards. Star Trek Day trivia cards. Ben, I'm looking at my desk where I currently have Star Trek Day cards. <laughs> And the Star Trek Day Cosmic Sours. Oh, man. Which I have not opened. I finished my Cosmic Sours. They're good. Do you think they're still good? Mm, I don't know. Gummies do kind of get like stiff as they age. Do you want to do a Star Trek Day trivia game? And if I get the answers wrong, I have to eat a very old gummy? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's. uh, I had an idea for this, Marin. You just made it. A great idea for this man. <laughs> He's very interested in pitting his skill against yours. I'm 
I'd like to see your neuroflex tear him down a bit. My deductions should be treated with skepticism. Ready? Begin. We love a feats of strength, don't we? We really do. One of our favorite things. All right, I'm, I, th- these are still wrapped in cellophane, so I'm going to open up the deck here. And uh, do you want me to open up mine for any reason or no? Let's see. I don't have any Star Trek Day gummies here, but I do. Oh, I have uh, when Star Trek Prodigy was premiered. Uh huh. One of the things they sent was a uh, Star Trek Prodigy coffee mug with a packet of hot chocolate mix and a giant marshmallow with the Star Trek <laughs> logo printed on it. And that has been you sitting- You still have the marshmallow? I still have the marshmallow. So, okay. Like, I think you should have a gummy for everything you get wrong. I think- You should have an entire marshmallow for everything you get wrong. If I lose overall, I eat the marshmallow. <laughs> Deal. Okay. I love this for me. Okay. So uh, what are we doing? Five questions each? Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. All right. Should we shuffle the decks? They might be in the same order. I think shuffling the decks is a good idea. Okay. Also, I am really bad at trivia. I like I'm good at the joke answer. <laughs> Very bad at the real answer. Yeah. Just to level set the friends of DeSoto out there. Sometimes those pulls are hard to make. I think I'm pretty well shuffled. Do you want your first question? Man, I haven't even gotten the plastic off. This is fucking bullshit. God (laughs) damn it! (laughs) All right, Adam. Which of these characters dies in the series finale of Star Trek Enterprise? Oh, no. (laughs) What the fuck? Spoiler alert for a series you haven't even seen. This is an amazing first question. Do you, do, you want, do you even want me to ask you this? I do. Okay. Your options are Hoshi Sato, Topol, Phlox, or Trip Tucker. I swear to God, I'm not going to talk over my own shuffle. God, I'm an audio professional for Christ's sake. <laughs> You're not that professional. <laughs> uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess Chase Tucker. And I swear I don't know the answer to this. I'm just Trip Tucker is the actual name, but okay. uh, I take your meaning, okay. Adam. That is correct. Whoa! And now, Trip is dead, and I have to give a speech about how worthwhile it's all been. No gummy for you. Oh, good for me. All right, I'm going to put that over in the correct pile. Okay. All right, I'm going to ask you all five of your questions up top. That way. We'll have some suspense about whether I can beat your number. All right. I like it. Okay. Which character does not appear in the first season of Star Trek Picard? A, Geordi LaForge. B, Seven of Nine. C, William Riker. Or D, Deanna Troy. They only said Geordi's name in the first season, but we did not see him. So uh, Geordi is my answer. That is correct, Adam. You need a crew. Riker. Worf. LaForge, hmm? No. Total bullshit, man. It's just bullshit. Wow, off to a great start. Two correct answers so far. Adam, which Star Trek captain suffers from androgenic alopecia? Is it A, Catherine Janeway, B, Jonathan Archer, C, Jean-Luc Picard, or D, James T. Kirk? androgenic alopecia. Well, alopecia is uh, is hair-related. 
Mm-hmm. Specifically, the lack of it. The loss thereof. <laughs> androgenic is a word I don't know the meaning of. But I mean, the only hairless captain on that list is Picard. Yeah. But I don't remember him being diagnosed with a <laughs> hair-related thing, do you? Hey, you've already looked at the answer, right? You can't. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna help you with the answer. I, I don't want to eat that marshmallow. Give me a break. <laughs> so it's Picard, Janeway, Scott Bakula, and who? And James T. Kirk. Androgenic alopecia. I'd be a fool for not choosing Picard if the name has alopecia in it. So that's going to be my answer. That is correct, Adam. I think that androgenic alopecia is just the scientific name for male pattern baldness. Oh, okay. I'm attracted to bald men. Seriously? Seriously. All right. Fourth question. In Star Trek Picard, what advice does Shaban give Picard before his interview with the Federation News Network? A. Don't tug at your suit. B. Be the captain they remember. C. Remember who you are, or D, give them hell. (laughs) I wish it was all of the above. (laughs) Hey, do you think Laris is coming back for the third season somehow? Like, or LaBrady, at least? I'd be so sad if she wasn't, but I... I, Maybe she's the bad guy that they referred to. Oh, shit! You know what I'm saying? Like, they said it was a lady bad guy, and they said it was... uh, a Wrath of Khan-style conflict between Picard and whoever this is. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, I like I like what you're thinking. They could turn Orla Brady into a monster and I'd still root for her. <laughs> She's the best. All right. The answer is be the captain they remember. That is correct, Adam. Four for four. Wow. You are running this table. I'm as surprised as anyone. Your final question. Which of the following was not a founding species of the United Federation of Planets? God, this is such a fucking easy question. Not a founding species. Okay. A, Tellarites, B, Vulcans, C, Bajorans, D, Andorians. I mean, it's Bajorans, right? Yeah, it's Bajorans. Bajor's petition to join the Federation has been approved. It's about time. You got all five questions correct. You didn't get to eat one gummy. I was so afraid the last question was going to be, what is your wife's phone number? <laughs> I would have gotten that so wrong. <laughs> All right, Adam. It is really my game to lose. Wow. I, uh, I have to get a flawless five questions correct. My gummies have gone unopened. Ben, if we tie, we've got to go lightning round on this biatch. Okay, all right. And by lightning round, I mean we both just eat the marshmallow and the gummy. (laughs) Mutually assured trivia destruction. Wait, the only incentive I have to win then is that you will have to eat a gummy? No, I'll I'll eat a marshmallow-sized combination of gummies. (laughs) I'll smush them together. Wow, okay. Question one. What is the name of Picard's pit bull? I don't even need to give you the, the multiple choices here. You know. Number one. Correct. Number one. What do you have? You mean, whom does he have? <laughs> A little assassin. Question two. Who was the first Kelpian to enter Starfleet? Saru. Correct. I was welcomed by an interstellar service called Starfleet. 
Three, in Lower Decks, what is General Kaoran's species? Klingon. Correct. Corin. How do I know that name? Maybe because he's like one of the most decorated, battle-hardened Klingon warriors in history. God. Did you just get the easy ones or what? <laughs> Question four. In Star Trek Discovery, where is Ash Tyler originally from? This is a tough question. A, Seattle, Washington. B, New Berlin. C, Birmingham, England. D, Tarsus 4. New Berlin. Incorrect. What do you hail from, soldier? Seattle. Damn it! Fuck! God fucking damn it! This is the worst question. This is such (laughs) minutia. Did he even say? I remember him saying it. I remember being, oh, yeah, another Seattle guy. Cool. God damn it. Yeah. Would you have gotten all five if you didn't get a bullshit fourth question? What's my fifth? Oh, this is easy as hell. Who serves as communications officer in the final episode of Star Trek, the original series? A, Lieutenant Baldwin. B, Lieutenant Rand. C, Lieutenant Uhura. D, Lieutenant Lisa. Lieutenant Uhura. Incorrect. It is Lieutenant Lisa. Lieutenant Lisa, play back those last two sentences from Mr. Spock's tirade. Aye, sir. Who's that? Uhura wasn't on the final episode? Guess not. Damn it. I feel like a schmuck. Wow. You completely whooped my ass. I got to eat this goddamn fucking marshmallow now. Ben's going to go get the marshmallow. A marshmallow which is still in its packaging. I thought for a moment it would be just in the mug, just a no. loose mallow. No, it's still in a cellophane wrapper. So I should take a picture of this for... Any signs of spoilage on that thing? It wouldn't spoil, right? It's going to last forever. It'll outlive us all. I guess so. I mean, it doesn't... It's still like pretty springy. It's got good marshmallow texture to it i bet it's gonna be great yeah but it's got like ink on it because they printed the starfleet logo on it i bet you only like homemade marshmallows that have been cut out of a tin right no give me a break but it's also the other thing is that it is huge it is like quadruple the size of the like kind of marshmallow that you make a s'more with hold it up to the camera and i will uh i'll screen grab Oh, yeah, it's like the size of your head. <laughs> That's fun. All right. All right. Here we go. You deserve this. Remember that. Mm. Oh, man. Ben just put the whole thing in, and he looks like Belushi popping the zit. What's that? Let's go on to episode of Starfleet Voyager. for episode 15. Three. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. I'm not turning too loud. <laughs> ben, I'm I'm checking out our listener dashboard and we've <laughs> lost uh we've lost half the audience. Half the audience are mesophones. <laughs> Is that what they're called when, when they're afraid of mouth sounds? <laughs> yeah, they, they hate They're androgenic mesophobes. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> there's so much marshmallow. I need a drink. How was it? Actually, I asked too soon. You're still working on it. Hey, what drink goes with the marshmallow? Life events. Uh, ice cold water. 
That's the first food that has passed my lips today. I, I forgot to make myself breakfast and we're recording right at noon. So I was planning on eating lunch later. Oh, boy. Oh, I'm in for a really catastrophic sugar crash about 15 minutes into this review. Ben, we're recording earlier for me, and you've made a great sacrifice to do so. Yeah, yeah. We get some unmasked Herogen at the beginning of this episode. They're in pursuit of an alien vessel. And I will confess, I did not recognize the make and model of this vessel that they're pursuing. I was embarrassed about this. What? Well, I guess you are the guy who dropped two trivia questions in our Marin yeah, today. Yeah. And you're the one that was uh, saying that you're bad at trivia. <laughs> yeah, I recognized the ship right away. I also recognized the voice of Tony Todd yeah. as one of these Herogens. Maintain distance. Yeah, when he says let him bleed, it's just unmistakable. What's crazy is no one recognizes him as Jake Sisko. <laughs> because for some reason, Jake Sisko. It was me all along. The Herogen experiment on adult Jake Sisko was a success. Yeah, yeah. He's the only Herogen that is a celebrated novelist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they're chasing this ship into an asteroid belt. I thought that there was something kind of weird about the pacing of the dialogue between these two Herogen dudes in this scene. Didn't it seem like they were talking very slowly to each other? It felt to me like they were talking as if they were being transcribed for an epic novel. Yeah. You know? The way a creature behaves when it is wounded is the key to its destruction. Very flowery hunting language here. It's it kind of strange. The ship that they're chasing goes into this asteroid belt and stops over one of these asteroids. And they're talking about like, oh, this guy's like making a last stand. This is it. He's left his ship. He's, he's down there on the planet or on the asteroid. And they're going to go in on foot to finish their hunt. These guys are fighting the whole time. Yeah. And I think I know why. We find out later that these ships are on their own. There's no like network of Herogens. They're just out there hunting independently. Yeah. These guys are just roommates. Yeah. They're the only two people on the ship and the only two people that have ever been on this ship for like a decade. Yeah. It says that they've been like traveling around this part of the galaxy for five years together. No wonder they're on each other's nerves. I would hate this. <laughs> I would blow myself out of an airlock before I, I agreed to this deal. Yeah. We were on a, a call with uh, somebody the other day discussing a, a pair of meetings that we need to be in in person, one in the morning and one in the late evening. Mm -hmm. And you were like, but that would necessitate us being together all day. <laughs> and they were like, uh, yeah. <laughs> it was big fun when, uh, when they thought I was joking. <laughs> cut to you and me on that very day just sitting on opposite sides of a backyard patio looking at our phones for like six hours <laughs> that's gonna be a great day yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun bring your swimsuit man I'm gonna put an inflatable pool in the backyard for the remainder of the summer hell yeah when the helmet paint goes on you know they mean business and it isn't long before they're on the asteroid giant guns out. Yeah. They've got BFGs, the both of them. I like that they had their face masks off for yeah. the beginning of this, and then they put them on for the uh, asteroid pursuit. Yeah. And I was like, 
So, so I'm dumb, right? I didn't know what ship they were chasing. I'm bad at Star Trek <laughs> trivia. So I was like, I wonder what that ship was. Uh-huh. And I was like, what would be the funniest reveal of like what the prey is? And I was like, what if they come around a corner and it's Neelix? Wouldn't that just be delightful? <laughs> and it's a holodeck program that they've created because all holodeck <laughs> programs are about <laughs> abusing and possibly killing Neelix. Yeah. And then the episode is about how Tuvok has become a celebrated holo novelist. The Tony Todd character wants to raw dog this thing. He's like, sensors off, baby. I really want to feel it. I want to take him with my own eyes. Mm-hmm. They come around the corner. It's Species 42069. They really pump this guy full of laser bullets. They do. He really gets hammered, and uh, it kind of looks like they've killed him. I mean, it's a lot more effective than anything the Voyager tried on these dudes. It's like the end of a John Singleton movie down in those caves. (laughs) And I'm trying to figure out what I need to learn from this experience. Mm -hmm. Y'all got to go sometime. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, it's really brutal. And uh, and that's our cold open, Adam. Yeah. After the theme, it is a significant tone shift because we're... (laughs) We're in six bay, and uh, it's seven of nine being filled with a different type of bullet. The bullets of a scripted customer service list. (laughs) Have a pleasant afternoon. This is absurd. Not at all. Keep going. This gave me all sorts of PTSD, Ben. Yeah. One of my first jobs was a bag boy customer clerk at a Safeway store. Mm-hmm. And one of the first things they teach you is the script. This is like right after they teach you how to use the bailing machine. <laughs> yeah. First, they teach you how to use the most dangerous gear in the store. <laughs> and then they stick you up front bagging groceries. And they're like, look, uh-huh. at any moment, <laughs> you could be visited by a secret shopper. Wow. And it is so crucial that we ace the test when the secret shopper comes through. And this test is laughable. Because in order to pass the test, the secret shopper at every turn, in every interaction with an employee, must be greeted with a smile. (laughs) And you can imagine how difficult that was for me. (laughs) They needed to be asked if they needed help finding anything. For a while, this was the reason if you went to a Safeway, you were just assaulted by people asking you if you needed help finding things. It was part of the script. Right. If you did need help... Oh boy, you're going to get taken to that item whether you like it or not because someone in the executive floor of the Safeway building decided that that's the only way to help anyone find anything at a grocery store is to physically take them there and show them the item. (laughs) Yeah. And then finally, thank them with a smile and offer them help to the car. Those are the things. And if you did all of them, you got a perfect score. And these secret shoppers... They'd look at your name tag and they'd know who you were if you didn't do all this stuff. So every shift, every hour of every shift was like an assault. You're under surveillance. Yeah. You're in the panopticon. Anyone could be a secret shopper. They're always looking at you or are they, but you can't know. You're in a grocery store full of Charlie's. It's so fucked up, but the doctor does have a good justification for this, which is that Seven of Nine is rude as hell. And super unpleasant to be around because she's so blunt and so unapologetic about everything. And he's basically saying, look, I've been where you are now. I used to suck at Bedside Manor. I'm fractionally better at it now. 
I want to teach you. Except maybe instead of forcing people into an unnatural script style relationship with everyone <laughs> they come across, uh, you could just hire naturally kind people. Sure. For those jobs. So, so not Adam Pranicus? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they shouldn't have given me that job. Or stick me in the back where I'm bailing <laughs> cardboard the whole shift. Oh, uh, yeah, that'd be fun. I think that, crucially, Seven did not ask for this instruction, and that's why she is not pursuing her studies with a great deal of elan. I don't see the relevance. She is uh, reading this by rote and rolling her eyes and terminating the lesson left and right until she finds out that there are rewards on the table for people that learn the lessons. Yeah, I don't know about you, Ben, but I prefer people who do the right thing without some sort of external force or reward Mm. or fear-based incentive uh, at the end of it. (laughs) Yeah. That's my position. Wow. Well, brave of you to stake out that position. Uh, That's not quite where Seven is. And she is persuaded that maybe like getting along with people might be its own reward. So she takes this pad and... Uh, I think she just wants to go to Borg's heaven. (laughs) Uh, She wishes the doctor a pleasant day when she leaves, so... Yeah. This hasn't totally fallen on deaf ears. I will examine your data. I think she got a pretty good secret shopper score at the end of this one. Good for her. Objection noted. We'll do this without you. Do it. Do it. Objection noted. We'll do this without you. Do it. Do it. Back on the bridge, Tuvok has picked up a Herogen ship. Ben, you recognized this ship after it was described, right? I mean, I recognized the Herogen ship from the previous episode. Okay. It was the ship that the Herogen were chasing that I didn't recognize. All right, I see. I get it now. This Herogen ship is acting all weird, though, because it's not attacking them, and it comes to a complete stop. It probably grew out of some weird dirt (laughs) based on the way it's acting. I know. (laughs) Also unusual, there's not two people on board. There's only one, and they're described as being erratic. And I wanted to know what this meant, Ben. Does erratic mean wounded or just dancing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's only one aboard, so he can finally dance like no one's watching. Uh-huh. <laughs> They're, like, really suspicious here because this does kind of smell like a trap. Mm-hmm. And they're, like, scanning long range to see if there are any other Herogens around that they need to worry about. And the captain is like, great opportunity. Let's get on this ship and see what is up with this guy. And Stefan is like, what are you, nuts? Like... This is such a classic injured guy in the middle of the road trap. Like, haven't you played Jazz Horse at all? Like, some bandits are going to jump out from behind that cart and start shooting at us. (laughs) I love the way this scene is blocked because it's a two-shot with Janeway in the foreground and Kim in the back, and Seven just kind of walks in between them (laughs) from the side. It's great. No one here brings up the wharf lightning incident as a reason maybe not to be so unguarded in this interaction. (laughs) That would be great if the captain was like, well, Seven, maybe we wouldn't have to be so worried about these guys if you hadn't shocked that one guy the first time we met them. It was a mild shock. He will recover. And when he does? I think every time Seven brings up a course of action having to do with the Herogen, this should be (laughs) something that's stated. (laughs) We wouldn't be in this situation if it were for you seven it's your fucking fault 
So they put an away team together. It's Chakotay, Tuvok, and Paris, and they beam over to the Herogen vessel to see if they can find this erratic crew member. And I got real, like, first away mission on a board cube vibes out of this. Yeah. They're walking around. There's dangling chains. There's nets full of bones. Except the open floor plan of a Herogen ship is, it's weird how it gives you the same vibe, but it's not the claustrophobia of the Borg ship. True, yeah. It's just the creepiness of the Borg ship. Yeah. I loved all the lighting and, like, the use of smoke to create atmosphere in this, though. Like, it was really cool. Some really fun shots. Hard to decide who finds the more disgusting thing. Chakotay, who finds a tank of home-brewed beer. (laughs) And Paris, who finds a Herogen helmet with a head still inside. (laughs) He's been physically torn apart. Like he met Lisa, (laughs) and she just did to him what she does to everyone. You are tearing me apart, Lisa! How closely did you scrutinize this scene? Because I love the physical effect that happened here. Of Paris picking up the head? Yeah, so Paris's arm obscures the neck and the torso part of the rest of the guy's body. This isn't like a makeup head. This is the actor's actual head and face. Oh, nice. I love that trick. It really works. Yeah, really fun. I also just love uh, B-Dunk's performance as like a, "Ah, gross. (laughs) Am I making any sense here? How strong is B-Dunk's for picking up a Herogen head and helmet as easily as he does? You should be able to tell the difference between a helmet and a head and a helmet, right? Yeah. What is the average human head weigh about 10 pounds? I think I've heard that somewhere. Yeah. Hmm. So you got to imagine a Herogen head weighs in like 12 or 13 There you go uh, with your phrenology-based science, Ben. (laughs) We've had to edit so much of this out of our shows lately. Mm, Yeah, well. No one's going for it. (laughs) (laughs) The Greatest Generation is uh, one of the few pro-phrenology podcasts still in existence. Benjamin R. Harrison, androgenic phrenologist. (laughs) (laughs) They get some bloops on the tricorder. And they follow the path into a a side room. This is usually where the jump scare happens, right? Yeah, I was expecting a jump scare. I love the extremely tall door that they go through. Yeah, those details are great. You know, the Herogen are such giant people. The the door is like extra big. They find the, the one played by Tony Todd, like holding a wound closed with his hand on the floor. So uh, apparently there are some downsides to dancing like no one's watching. (laughs) Yeah, he flailed a little too broadly. Mm -hmm. That's what you get. He's a maniac. I am a maniac. (laughs) Maniac on the floor. And I'm dancing like I've never danced before. Back on Voyager, they convene a McLaughlin group. Issue one. Where Chakotay tells Janeway what all they found over on that Herogen ship and sort of begins with the navigation history. Kind of an interesting place to start when you see the line drawn around the sector they're in and how circuitous it is. Yeah. They just zigzag back and forth through this sector hunting, presumably. Yeah. And they have learned a lot about the Herogen. They've downloaded the database and they're like, learning a ton of stuff no evidence of a home planet these guys are totally nomadic and they kind of stick to one ship at a time 
for the most part, unless they get a big hunt together with a bunch of ships. They've constructed a religion around a vengeful god that shoots wharf lightning at them. (laughs) Seven. Do you see the consequences of your actions? (laughs) (laughs) They've all converted to this religion very recently. If they have no planet, where did they get their ships? I wish this was a piece of trivia that we chased down completely. Like, if they were truly nomadic and they were hunter species, like, it would be cool as hell if all of their ships were hot. Yeah, yeah. But they all have kind of the same design. There there must be a Herogen shipyard somewhere. Sure, but those guys who work there must be what? Like, if you can't go hunting, there must be like a subspecies of Herogen that are like, oh, yeah, that everyone hates and shits on, right? Yeah, like you don't get to go hunting, you get to turn wrenches. Yeah, I mean, that sucks for them, but uh, you know, what are you gonna do? Yeah, that's capitalism, baby. Yeah, I mean, this is like being a, a scientist on Kronos, right? Yeah, it's fucking embarrassing. You'll need a charge to defend you at the end of this McLaughlin group. I really liked the like stress between the captain and seven because the captain is like, well, you were right. Seven, uh, the erosion are a existential threat to us and are probably not really people that we can do diplomacy with. And now that we've done this away mission, uh, we've learned that. And seven is like, all right, doing the away mission paid off. I'll admit it. This time. This is a moment that is very much a, hey, this is an episode about teaching something to Seven of Nine. Yeah. The Captain and Seven are going to have a big conflict this episode, and these are the terms of that conflict. And uh, I like how the Captain makes this point without being, like, shitty about it. Yeah. I mean, it's a point she emphasizes in Six Bay, too, right? Right. Seven's like, why are you acting so not messed up towards this Herogen? <laughs> yeah, because they go down there and he's woken up, right? Yeah. He's built the very tough stuff. They can't knock him out. The doctor keeps trying to anesthetize him so he can work on his injuries. And this guy's immune system just eats that shit for breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. All he wants is his home brewed beer. No one's going to bring that aboard. Yeah. Fucking stinks. Smelly as hell. They got to keep it out in the garage. You got to filter that thing. It was full of bones and hair. (laughs) (laughs) But that's how they make IPA, right? Either that or it's dinner. Your IPA bias has been noted. (laughs) We are all aware of it, Adam. He explains that he was chasing an alien. It, uh, they captured it. It broke free of its restraints and uh, attacked him and his buddy. His buddy is dead. He is very badly injured. And the captain is like, listen, like, we're going to help you. Like, we're going to fix you up. You're, you're going to die of your injuries if you don't let us help. But you got to, like, cooperate here, man. Like, we're sending our holographic doctor that you can't hurt in there to do it. So just know <laughs> there is no escape for you right now. Although it does appear that species 42069 has escaped because we see an exterior shot of the hull and this thing is crawling around. Did you get itchy watching this scene? (laughs) I did. Yeah, it's it's creepy. I I mean, like, the special effects of Species 42069, as we've mentioned before, don't really hold up. They look a little bit bad by today's standards. But just the idea that you could have 
a exterior shot of an ambulatory alien walking around on the hull of the ship is such an exciting development for Star Trek. Yeah, I dig it. It's really fun to see. Yeah. I mean, this visual answers the question that Janeway asks, which is like, who did this to you? (laughs) Yeah. And uh, they're on the bridge talking about, uh, oh boy, a whole bunch more Herogen ships are on their way toward us. So that guy must have sent a distress call before we beamed him aboard. And as they're discussing this, we get like a banger. And like, while the ship is still shaking, Tuvok is explaining that there's a hull breach. (laughs) And it like, initially... The discussion of hull breach is so nonchalant. Yeah. It's like nobody really gives much of a fuck that a big hole just blew in their hull. Two crew members were killed in the breach. Stand down, red alert. What are they doing, Adam? If you're on an airplane that depressurizes, shit gets feeling like an emergency pretty fast. Yeah. But it takes a couple of bangers here for people to like snap into action. I mean, the Voyager crew just... Very accustomed to having a ship full of hurls. Our course is locked in. What? Listen to me very carefully because I'm only going to say this once. Kim and Tuvok go out to the hurl to investigate it. And uh, they find some barf on the grate, which is like the worst place to try to clean up barf. I think you just got to oh, yeah. you got to take the grate out of there and hose it. Yeah. Just hose it off in the in the parking lot. Go lean it up against the wall yeah. or, or some like cyclone fencing if you've got some. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only way to do it. Yeah. I was really scared for them just going around in Jeffrey's tubes because that feels like a place where it is tough to make a speedy getaway if something starts chasing you. If you love jump scares, the Jeffrey's tubes is the only place to be because behind every door, there's the potential (laughs) for that. I couldn't believe that they didn't amplify the creepy factor of this journey. They didn't play it for, for creep outs at all. Yeah. When they radio back to the bridge and say, uh, that they can confirm that Species 42069 is aboard. I love how Janeway goes to her bartender's phaser behind her seat, (laughs) and she heads that way. You have the bridge, Commander. I'll be on deck 11. Yeah, she's like, I'm going to go personally kill it. It's great. Like, shit gets so defensive so quickly in so many places. Yeah. We cut over to engineering, and it's an NRA wet dream there because everyone is, like, open carrying at the workplace. It's really intense. BLT is like quickly locking everything down, making sure that the computers are are tied off and that the warp core isn't at risk. And uh, she's, you know, issuing orders to all of her ensigns, getting everything ready for them to lock down the warp core when she looks up and Species 42069 like goes off the top turnbuckle and drops an elbow on her. That's fucked up, Species 42069. That's a pregnant woman. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think that's why she was allowed to live? As soon as this jump happened, I was like, well, after the commercial, we are just going to see paint buckets of blood everywhere in engineering. (laughs) It really felt like that. I was was a... I mean, they let you think she's dead for a long time. Yeah. You know, you go through that commercial like, well, that was the end of BLT. Sad day. Only four wounded crew people. That's it. Yeah. You can really tell that this alien is injured. Yeah, that must be it. It's like at reduced capacity because Janeway and Seven get down to engineering and 
Seven is like, yeah, like what they do when they attack a Borg ship is they come aboard and they go for the central power node, which I was surprised to hear because I thought that cubes had a kind of strangely generalized design that didn't centralize anything in one place. But uh, I've always thought about the Borg's cubes as uh, like from a mosquito's perspective. Right. You know? Yeah. That's a strange retcon, mm-hmm. but um, apparently the warp core is not the most efficient means of killing Voyager. Because uh, Species 4 2069 came in here, bonked four people on the noggin and left. So they got to track it down somewhere else. And uh, we're reminded that this thing does not show up on scanners of any kind. So they get to six bay where BLT is taking the rest of the episode off. I need another hour, maybe two. She's going to be all right. She's just down for the count. Yeah. And uh, they're talking to this Herogen dude, and he's like, you let me out of here. I'm going to take care of this guy. Done and dusted. That's all I want. My whole character need is going to kill Species 4 2069. Except because he's Tony Todd, he whispers all of his dialogue in a way that he (laughs) does not stop the rest of the episode. And I love this. I must continue the hunt. Janeway is really concerned about, like, maybe there's a second invasion of Species 4 2069 going on. So she wants to get some info from him. And he's like, no, I've only seen one of these. But uh, I was really excited about it because, like, this would be a great hunting trophy. I mean, so unique, so rare. I'm a hunter. I don't care about the extinction of the thing that I'm hunting. I'm doing this for fun. (laughs) Yeah. I am so simple because in this scene, they're like, yeah, you know, your big fucking gun wouldn't have done anything against this species. The only thing that's ever worked are nanoprobes. And instantaneously in my mind was like, can you make a gun that shoots nanoprobes? And then two seconds later, they were like, I'll modify the phaser rifles to fire nanoprobe discharges. (laughs) But uh, Janeway wants them to be not lethal doses of nanoprobes. And Seven is like, what the fuck are you talking about? That's going to take way longer. Yeah. I'm with Seven on this. We must stop it as soon as possible. She's right. Again, Janeway has an opportunity to kill somebody that wants to kill them, and Seven is taking great umbrage with this. This alien has been ripping holes in the ship and barfing with impunity. I think it's time to take it off the board. Yeah, but uh, Seven has her orders, and uh, this kind of turns into a, a negotiation. There's some leverage on both sides, because these other... Herogen ships that are inbound tin man give tony todd something to work with and so did you just tin man the word inbound yeah <laughs> okay i guess i did i like it uh he's like yeah I'll, I'll tell them not to kill you all which they definitely will if i don't <laughs> as long as you let me uh hunt bc's 4 2069 again the only thing i want how does chakotay always get stuck with the worst partner <laughs> At this point, I'm very excited for the cop team of Chakotay and Tony Todd, though. If he steps out of line, shoot him. <laughs> Sounds great. They have way more first contact style spacesuits on this show than I ever thought available, right? They really do. I was so excited when they start getting suited and booted. <laughs> I, I do have to criticize the way they tried to depict the magnetized boots, though. I feel like they're just picking up on that moment in first contact, but like they didn't have enough time to practice it or something because TV. And so everybody's like really like stamping their feet every time they take a step for the rest of the episode. Oh, I thought they did a great job. I thought that was a really <laughs> tough acting challenge. <laughs> 
I just, I feel like it was a lot smoother in the movie than it was on the show. It was, but I mean, how often do you get to rehearse gravity boot walk? I mean, that's tough stuff. I don't remember my zero G combat training at all. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not saying I could do better, Adam. I'm just saying it didn't look as good as it looked in the movie. I like how everyone's suited up, but Tony Todd doesn't because he's been wearing the suit the whole time. The suit that he wears, he says, can protect him from like a star. (laughs) He says he chased a silicon-based life form through the mantle of a star or something. The one downside to wearing the suit is uh, he can never come. (laughs) (laughs) He's wearing an adult diaper under the suit, and uh, that's... One thing you you try to downplay as a Herogen with your tough image that you're actually an adult baby wearing an adult baby diaper. (laughs) That's the thing about Herogen women always wanting you to suit up. Uh The Herogen can credibly say that they can't feel anything. (laughs) (laughs) We haven't met a Herogen lady, have we? Sure haven't. I'd like to, though. I'd like to meet a seven-foot Herogen woman. Yeah. I like to go swimming with Herogen women. Yeah, yeah. Snoo Snoo with a Herogen woman would be pretty epic. Yeah, indeed. What'd they die of? Crushed pelvises. I've got to get that platinum. Put your platinum where your mouth is. I've, I've got to get that platinum. Or not, if you've just drunk gold. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, And I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about Microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. 
We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. I've got to get that platinum. Get that robe enlargement. <laughs> I've got to get that platinum. Are you planning a heist? Gold. There's a lot of creeping through the hallways with phaser rifles for the rest of the episode. And there's a couple of teams. There is Paris Chakotay and Tony Todd. And then there's uh, Tuvok and Seven on another team. And they're they're kind of tracking Species 4 2069 as it uh, goes and fucks with different parts of the ship. And, you know, they can't scan it. So they're using all of their senses and uh, there's a little bit of a conflict between Chakotay and Tony Todd over who's going to take point on this. Tony Todd is real eager for the fray. He's, I, I feel like, mainly just angry that he is doing some hunting without any paint on his helmet. Because he's like, yeah, like whoever's on point is going to get attacked first. And because I have, I'm living with the indignity of an unpainted helmet, <laughs> I feel like that should be me. I don't want to... <laughs> I don't want to keep on going if this is how it's going to be. I wish we had a moment where we learned the significance of the helmet paint. You're totally right about this. Yeah. But fucking Tony Todd does not know who he's dealing with because Chakotay has glimpsed the nemesis. Yeah. He's been in these situations before. You're not going to big dog Chakotay. Chakotay's going to big dog you. You think you're going to get Chakotay off of point by telling him he might reach the hereafter first? No. Fuck that. In the now... You need my help to nullify the nemesis. They finally find the prey, and it's outside of uh, deflector control. And the idea is that it's trying to open a hole or. back into fluidic space so that it can go home. I wish when you opened up such a hole, the fluid just started bursting into real space. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just like a fire hose, and they're like... Why is there a surface tension to fluidic space? <laughs> fluidic space must be real thick. There's like a galactic meniscus. <laughs> this thing is really, really in bad shape. It's floating and hurt, and Tony Todd's like, you know, it is hurt, but uh, it's like a wounded animal. It will use its last strength to kill you if you approach it, so stand back. I have covered my body with the urine of species 42069. <laughs> For some reason, urine always factors into decisions I make ever since a certain operation left me with no memory. 
This scene is nuts because Tony Todd's like, I'm shooting first and not listening to Chakotay now and later. <laughs> and he's, he like fights off Chakotay and then Paris gets shot with the nanoprobe gun. What happens to Paris after being shot with nanoprobes? No one tells us. Does Paris get assimilated? I really wanted to know. And they just totally ignore this. Yeah. But uh, the Herogen is like getting ready to kill Species 42069 when Tuvok shoots him. And I guess Tuvok probably shoots the Herogen with nanoprobes too, right? That's what's so strange about this sequence is because it's only shot from one direction, like the Species 42069 direction. Right. You don't really get a conclusion to the scene. And that's what makes the next scene so jarring because we like cut from here to the mess hall. Yeah. And I was like, what happened to Paris? What happened to the alien? What happened to anyone? Is everything super chill now? Yeah. Or is it like super desperate because Tuvok has taken off his suit and walked down to the mess hall to ask Neelix to strap up and join a security detail? I must ask you to exchange your spatula for a phaser rifle. Sure. How fucking desperate are they? <laughs> Would this scene have just been too funny if Tuvok had worn the spacesuit into the mess hall in order to make this request? I, I wish he had been in the spacesuit, honestly. Yeah, I think the desperation of that look would have been welcome. Was it just a pretext to get Neelix in the episode for four seconds? Yeah, because what the fuck does he do after this? Yeah, it's just like he's just there when Tuvok gets his first little psionic glimpses of species for 2069 he's getting telepathy but that could have happened anywhere right i feel like they came up short on time it's a very strange scene yeah the doctor is brought down to where they've kind of they basically just have erected a force field around where the earlier combat sequence took place turned the whole thing into a brig where they're confining species for 2069 and the doctor's like yeah like i would Love to try and help it. It's super hurt, but I don't know anything about its biology. There's no, I mean, like this thing defies scanning. How the fuck am I even supposed to learn about it? There's a brig for this too, right? Why don't they just use the brig and do medical stuff in the brig instead of doing brig stuff in six bay? I think that they probably can't move species for 2069. Remember what happened to Ensign Kim? He was like, he had like tendrils right. coming out of his nose and mouth. Yeah, you can't have that. I kept wondering if the Tony Todd guy was going to get tendrils because he got hit by this thing. It seems like it could have infected him. The rules are different every episode with this thing. Yeah. But Tuvok is also there and he's telepathying with Species 42069. And it's kind of an interesting twist on the episode because this Species 42069 got stuck in the D-Quad after they sent the rest of them packing with the Borgs. And it's been isolated. It's it's also stuck in the D-Quad. It's just like the Voyager crew. More alike than different, huh? Wow. Really makes you think. And it's dying. So the captain really takes pity on it and forms a plan, which is basically like, we are going to get this thing home. We've got to form the singularity that it was trying to open and push it through the hole. And the person on board that knows how to open that singularity is seven of nine. When Janeway straight up walks up to Species 42069 and proposes the plan, this is hubris, right? Sheer fucking hubris. I know what you're <laughs> trying to do, and we will help. 
And the way we know to do that, and then <laughs> Species 42069 just passes out in the hallway. <laughs> like it's a fucking college dorm on Thursday night. Like, get yourself <laughs> together, Species 42069. You're fucking hammered. <laughs> you don't know how to hold your natty light. Yeah. It's really shameful. It has lost consciousness. You know what? I'm going to roll you over on your side <laughs> and just leave you. Yeah. We, you've already vomited once. We don't want you to asphyxiate. <laughs> yeah it's too late to take off your shirt yeah so seven gets called to janeway's ready room and janeway's like all right so here's the plan we're gonna help species for 2069 home it's hurt we feel bad for it gotta open that hole to fluidic space and you're gonna do it because you're the one that knows how and seven is like why are we being compassionate to this guy that has tried to kill us at every turn and seven goes through the like grievances that the Borgs have with Species 42069, and they're pretty major. I mean, the Borgs don't really have a moral leg to stand on when it comes to murdering millions and taking over hundreds of planets. Then again, when it got done to them, it was very painful. (laughs) This is a great scene. This is the centerpiece scene of the episode. Actually, there might be two centerpiece scenes of the episode, really, and this is the first. Yeah. Because when Seven asks why... Kate Mulgrew gets a moment here, and this reminded me a lot of the story that O'Brien told the Cardassian in 10 Forward and TNG. Right. And this story basically ends in its mirror version, right? Because Janeway concludes the story with, I don't love you, Cardassian. I love what you've made me become. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the Cardassian war hit real different for different people. Yeah. Janeway had a really positive experience with it. For her, the drumhead was a good sound. (laughs) The compassion was good. There's coffee in compassion. But Seven is like, no, compassion is dumb. It's going to get you killed. Yeah. I know you don't want to do it. Do it. Coffee black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. I think so often you expect a Star Trek scene featuring a captain doing this kind of speech to be persuasive. Right to whoever they're talking to. And for us to go through the beats of this story and end on two with Seven of Nine going, you will fail. It eventually gets so heated, it reminded me of like a Hackman Denzel scene on Crimson Tide. Like they start yelling at each other and it ends with Seven finally being grounded. They're at Voya Joggerheads. (laughs) Yeah. They really are. Seven refuses to help, and the rest of the Herogen fleet are bearing down on the Voyager at this point. And so the captain has no choice but to try and do her plan without Seven's help. And this is going to take the form of a thing that they are attempting to do while on the run. And when we come back from commercial, the gang of Herogen ships are are tailing Voyager and licking shots at them and... They are, you know, doing their best to avoid, but they still have like hours worth of work to do before they can open a singularity and help this member of species for 2069 get back to their people. Janeway attempts to negotiate with one of the Herogen ships again. We meet another one and this one is green paint pissed. Yeah. <laughs> it's evidently too much to ask yeah. to get any sort of like color key to these paints on helmet. What this Herogen wants is the prey and their buddy 
Janeway's like, I'm happy to give you Tony Todd, but Species 42069 is under our protection right now, so nothing I can do to help you there. It belongs to us. It belongs to no one. So it's a no deal, and the Herogen keep firing, and that knocks out some force fields around the ship. I feel like the Herogen hangs up on Janeway because he doesn't want to get shocked. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't know that Seven is uh, is down in the cargo bay without yeah. access to the communications equipment. Yeah. I mean, while all these bangers are dropped on the ship, we learn that force fields have dropped and turned on kind of sporadically all around. Yeah, Seven is called to re-knock out Species 42069. So she's not totally grounded she's just uh you know not helping with the main thing that they need her help with yeah they need more nanoprobe ammunition yeah and she's the only one that's got it she's got borg fed ammo yeah (laughs) yeah she's like a minigun of borg probes trust me right but yeah when the force fields go down it's not the one keeping 42069 in, it's the one keeping the Herogen in that that goes down. And he knocks out the security detail that's on him and heads right for Species 42069. And they get in physical combat. And while they're fist fighting, Seven of Nine like pulls a panel off the wall and starts madly beeping boops. And up on the bridge... Harry Kim announces, someone's trying to use the transporter system. Lock them out. I can't. And they're using Borg technology to keep me out. Hey, Kim, you could uh, tighten that up a little bit. Yeah, that it happened quite a bit that someone on board the ship is trying to use the transporter system. Maybe some more security measures might be worth putting in place. Yeah. Yeah, not good. So what they learn is Seven has beamed Tony Todd and Species 42069 Onto one of the Herogen ships. Yeah. And then they bug out. Kind of a uh, be careful what you wish for, Herogen. Yeah. Because <laughs> you got it. And like, to your credit, you held up your end of the bargain. You cut off the attack and left. But on the other hand, now there's a Species 42069 running around one of your ships. I don't hate you, Herogen. <laughs> I hate what you made me do. <laughs> I thought for sure Seven was beaming them into fluidic space and this was going to be like an ironic end for the Tony Todd character. Yeah, I thought that would have been fun. I really wanted to see how that suit held up in fluidic space specifically. No, why not? It's probably great. Would have been fun. I am finally able to come. <laughs> <laughs> finally, a pool I don't mind pissing in. <laughs> Janeway uh, at the end of a captain's log after 12 hours goes down to the cargo bay to issue Seven of Nine's punishment which is uh, she's not going to be allowed to have access to any primary systems she can continue to be the person that works in the ass lab but that's it mm-hmm. yeah this is like no screens grounding mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah what is she a zoomer You can only watch TV when the family watches TV, and no phones are allowed in your alcove. (laughs) This, I think, is what you were referring to as a potential second central scene of the episode, because Seven throws this back in the captain's face. I mean, Seven is accepting this punishment, 
nothing she can really do about that. But she really chews the captain out for encouraging her to think with a sense of individuality and autonomy and at the same time acting as if the autonomous individualistic decisions that Seven is making are a threat to the ship. They better fucking hope that they never do debate teams on this ship because Seven has a very persuasive argument here in her own defense. Yeah, She's like, I was a person that lost all individuality and now I've been encouraged to get that back but now you're also telling me to suppress it? Yeah. Can you not understand how that's incredibly confusing for me and that you're punishing me for it? Especially in a context where like, I haven't really had any guidance on this. Like, All you've done is yell at me to be less of a Borgs. And the doctor at the beginning of this episode was the one person that has like, attempted to provide some mentorship to Seven. Yeah, I mean, this is a great Kate Mulgrew episode, but a bad Captain Janeway episode for this reason. Because, I mean, she seemed so interested and flexible when it came to teaching Seven empathy or whatever. Right. But is completely unable to muster that in herself. I wonder if this is a little bit of behind the scenes wagging the story dog. Hmm. Because you hear all the time that Kate Mulgrew really did not like the decision to bring Jerry Ryan onto the show and felt like it was not a good fit and and not the show that she had hoped they would be making. And they had a lot of interpersonal conflict between the two of them that I, I think eventually kind of got sorted and they came to respect each other from what I understand. But I wonder if that animosity was something that the writers were like, I, like maybe we should play with that energy a little bit because it's so palpable yeah. and like the scenes where they are in conflict in this episode are gripping. I do really enjoy those scenes and their conflict, but they don't make the captain look good. No. They sure don't. But did you like the episode overall, Adam? I'm giving you an order. I'm giving you an order. Is that understood? I'm giving you an order. I'm giving you and you have just crossed the line. Doesn't it seem like it would be more plausible if you are a spacefaring species that you <laughs> have more alien bug hunts than Star Trek style diplomatic conflicts? Yeah. I kind of feel like that would be the case. And so every time we get one, I'm very excited by them. Like this is very simple hunt or be hunted. Yeah. Prey or be preyed upon situation. And I, and like, This is a one out of 50 type of episode that we get on Star Trek, where I think statistically, if the human species were ever able to go into space, I feel like we'd be doing more bug hunting (laughs) than FaceTiming, you know? Yeah, but at the same time, it's like the bug hunting where they're like tantalized at every turn by the possibility of FaceTiming. Yeah. And uh, it really feels like their knee-jerk instinct is to diplomacy everyone to a fault. It's true. And it's fun to see not just one, but two species who are just not down for the diplomacy. (laughs) And for this to be an episode with Tony Todd, I mean, I love myself a Tony Todd. I'm so glad that he's back. Yeah. Just give me a Tony Todd episode every season, if you ask me. He's just great. What about you, Ben? He rules. 
I'm right there with you, man. Uh, loving Tony Todd's presence in this episode. I hope that character survives the bloodbath that must ensue when he beams over to the other Herogen ship because I feel like he is great in Herogen loaf and, and is such a compelling bad guy. I know that we have a few more Herogen episodes ahead of us and uh, I'd be sad to leave those guys behind yeah. without at least one more Tony Todd appearance. Yeah, these guys rule. You know what else rules, Adam? Priority one messages. I've got one cornered <laughs> behind a force field, Ben. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Our first priority one message is of a promotional nature to Adam, and it goes like this. Ben and Adam just wanted to thank you for this amazing podcast that I discovered about two years ago. I've been meaning to throw some scarves in your direction for a while. I'm paying for a promotional message because I want to draw some attention to Tunes on YouTube that has brought me a lot of joy. Subway and mass transit riders will like Subway thoughts. Please check out Kurt Tunes on YouTube and consider supporting him at patreon.com slash Tunes. P.S. Please play the Lieutenant Toast Drop. <laughs> Lieutenant George Primmon, Starfleet Security. I'm Lieutenant Commander Michael Eddington, Starfleet Security. So that's K-U-R-T-T-O-O-N-S on uh, on YouTube, Kurt Tunes. And uh, the call to action is some scars for things that make me chortle. Like cartoons, only better, says the Kurt Tunes YouTube page. Nice. That's from Tokyo FOD. We've got a few of those out there. Pretty cool. Wonder whatever happened to Ann Kilzer and if she's still out in Japan somewhere. Yeah, would love to know. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I'm going to check out Kurt Tunes on YouTube right after we're done recording this episode. So uh, let's speed things along, Adam. I got stuff to do. Ben, our second priority one message is from Denise. His not clever enough to think up a Darmok message misses. To Craig, her favorite and forever mister. The message goes like this. We just finished the TNG finale and your nose to phone screen queuing up the pot. <laughs> when 10 year old me was sneak watching TNG I never imagined 40 year old me this happy openly geeking out curled up on the couch next to my nerd love I'm excited for another 20 years of finding more weird nerdy and naughty stuff to enjoy together happy anniversary wow happy anniversary Denise and Craig I mean I'm hoping that this is their 20 year anniversary and that like the reason for hoping for just 20 more years is that kind of uh pattern making and not yeah, that they've right. been married for a couple years and 20 is about as long as they give it maybe they have one of those marriages where they're like yeah like and, and then in 2042 we'll end things <laughs> <laughs> hey congratulations denise and craig it sounds like uh, you got a good thing going on there yeah i love the horny and the nerdy brought together under one roof yeah our next message and final message here is from Heath, and it's to Adam, and it goes like this. Dear Adam, I'm working on a play in which Ben Franklin builds a time machine and visits several historical figures. However, I'm having trouble with some dialogue when his time machine breaks down while visiting Samuel Clemens. Sam berates Ben at length 
for not having the raw materials to make the repairs. Do you have any ideas about how that might sound? How dare you, Heath? How dare you pimp me like this? How dare you hurt Ben uh, with a request like this also? I do declare <laughs> the pimping must commence. Where will you find the raw materials? It's like two nightmares in one. What the fuck? I bid you good day. <laughs> well, those blessedly brief. I, I had to cut it off short because I really don't remember how my Samuel Clemens goes. I think you're about there. Thanks to everyone who got a P1 except for Heath mm. on today's episode. Uh, we, we really appreciate it. Hey, Heath, your money's no good here. Seriously. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow, Ben giving refunds for P1s. <laughs> if they're things he doesn't like. If you'd like to get a P1 on the show, we'd really appreciate it. Head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron and set it up today. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda! Ooh. Um, I think I'm going to give it to seven in this episode. I think Seven is really justified in her displeasure with Janeway kind of steamrolling her in this episode. And I think that what Seven says at the end is really true for her and does make Janeway kind of look bad for having failed to consider Seven's experience going into this. That said, like she does serve at the captain's pleasure. Like they could just drop her off somewhere at this point if it was too much of a pain in the ass to have her aboard. Yeah. And uh, she is really pushing it <laughs> in a way that I found uh, very chaotic and uh, very risky. Uh, so for that reason, I'm going to make Seven my drunk Shimoda. How about you, Adam? It's strange to think about Seven's development as child into Borgs, into ex-Borgs, and how it relates to being one of the captain's projects, Right. Right. It's like she hasn't grown up as a human yet. Yeah. And so for her to... It's a real Borgstuns roman. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> that never comes up, though. Like, Seven is, is very mature in a way that is sometimes surprising. Yeah. You know? She's better at sticking up for herself than I am at sticking up for myself. That's true. Ben, my Shimoda is going to be Tony Todd, really for no supportable reason other than <laughs> uh, I miss Tony Todd and I'm glad that he's back. And it sure seems like uh, a miserable experience to be done up like a Herogen, yeah. but I've, I'm very grateful to him for going through it in order to give us this episode. It's big fun. It really is. I hope he comes back. Maybe if we say his name three times, we'll get lucky, but... Uh... <laughs> Who can bring the sunshine? <laughs> Tony Dad can. <laughs> you make the scene be good. Who can bring the sunshine? <laughs> uh, we got to talk about the next episode. It's season four, episode 17, Retrospect. While refitting Voyager systems with newly traded weapons. Seven of Nine claims to have been assaulted by Coven, the weapons dealer. Mm. Uh-oh. Keep meeting weapons dealers this season. Yeah. Gotta have weps. That's the key. <laughs>
You sure do. I don't like the idea of this happening to Seven. I hope she kicks this guy's fucking ass. Yeah. Coven, you're about to catch a fistful of Borg nanoprobes. Yeah. If you're lucky. Yeah. And if we're lucky, we will land on something interesting over on the game of buttholes. Will of the Caretaker. There are a couple of things out in front of us. There's that Delta Flyer that could take us up to a Measure of a Man episode. And there is a Neelix's Galley episode out ahead. We are on square 33. And I'm going to roll this bone, Adam. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. Very consequential amount of activity out ahead. It really is. Wow, I jumped over all of it. I rolled a four. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. We're on square 37. Regular episode next week. I'm shocked. Yeah. Shocked by that. Somebody suggested a square for the game of buttholes that was the Adam is grounded square, and we have to flip a coin, and one of us has to only listen to the episode in order to review it. Huh. I really like that suggestion. All right. I mean, what is what does that look like Yeah. on the board? Is it Adam in a dunce cap facing the corner? <laughs> Maybe it's Adam wearing giant headphones like from Garden State. <laughs> yeah, like that. We'll see if we can make it happen. Yeah. Be a fun thing. Well, regular episode next week. I'm really looking forward to it. In the meantime, we should thank a few people that help us make this show happen. Of course, the people that really make the show actually happen every week are the friends of DeSoto that support on a monthly basis by going to MaximumFun.org slash join. If you set up a membership, you'll get access to our bonus feed with exclusive monthly bonus episodes that Adam and I make that are really fun and funny and kind of a weird sandbox where we try lots of different ideas. I think you'll really like it if you haven't heard them yet. Yeah. Five bucks a month will get you that, and it helps us a ton. Yeah, the extra eps, I think, are really worth it. Worth way more than $5 in my mind. We're spending more than $5 at Cheesecake Factory, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, no kidding. We got to thank Adam Ragusea, who made the original Janeway song, the music of this program, based on Dark Materia, who let us use the Picard song all those many years ago. We got to thank Nick Dittmore for our show art. The card daddy, Bill Tilly, for running our social media accounts at Greatest Trek on Insta and Twitter. And the great Windy Pretty, the producer and editor of this program, who uh, we really couldn't do this without. Could you use a friend? Hmm, maybe. I know you could. Yeah. Friends of DeSoto are out there in all of the places on social media. You can go to drunkshimoda.com to uh, chat them up on the Discord, on Twitter, and find them using the hashtag greatest gen Mm -hmm. they're over on reddit i guess if you're interested in whatever happens on reddit (laughs) and with that we will be back at you next week with another great episode of star trek voyager and an episode of the greatest generation voyager that's being refit with even funnier jokes but maybe it's a faustian bargain from the people we bought these jokes from are they supposed to hurt going in Yikes. (laughs) Yikes. <laughs> I was told to expect a slight pinch. Make it so.
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.